Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. This is a sports podcast that takes you all around the globe and a lot of great sports discussion with some great people. I'm Mitch Michaels. Today's show is going to be about the NFL playoffs. Tom Weisenbach, good friend of mine, joins me to break down the Philadelphia Eagles team he supports, how they were able to beat the Falcons, a showdown with the Vikings, including an improbable win that Minnesota had to get there, the Patriots and Jaguars meeting in the AFC Championship game. Ho-hum for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick with the Jaguars shocking the Steelers. We get into all of that and more. It's the Money Mitch Effect football show. Here we go. All right, Money Mitch Effect. Time to talk NFL football. We're in conference championship week. This season is just scooted by Tom Weisenbach back joining me, Tom. I know it's a good time of year for you guys, but thanks for joining the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me again, Mitch. I'm uh, still kind of in disbelief that it's conference championship game and my favorite team is still playing. I know. it's. Uh, can we just say this, though? That was as good of a divisional week, top to bottom, as I've seen in a while. No, we had one blowout, Patriots-Titans, which is to be expected. You can't have all perfect games, but... Three out of the four games really came down to the wire. Well, yeah, if you you pull the old uh, uh, leaving somewhere after playing Madden, if you, they finished the game in the first quarter, it would have been good. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. It's you know what's interesting though about this time of year is that everybody has like we talk gambling a lot too, like theories for what's going to work or what the formula is for playoff success, and we talked in years past about how it would be a quarterback-driven league or how it's based on certain skill position players. Defense and basically takeaways have dominated this year. It's kind of a throwback, would you say? Like it's we, we talk about the quarterbacks that are still in it. It's not exactly a who's who anymore. Yeah, and then those three quarterbacks who aren't a murder, you know, are the opposite of a murderer throw, uh, some would argue, are elite defenses. What was your stat about scoring scoring yeah, defense? Four of the top five still in it. Even the Patriots, who you mentioned too, was just were awful. I mean, we all saw how bad they were early. Chiefs and Panthers at home in New England gashed them. But since then, I mean, they've turned it around. They're going to lose their coordinators, both of them, to head coaching jobs. And I think that that's deserved at this point. But it takes an elite level of defense, or at least this year, because things can change. But this year, it's taken that elite level of defense to get to this point. We will start with your team, the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a great game, their victory over the Falcons, 15-10. to 10. And the defense deserves a lot of the credit, but more specifically in the trenches. That's where, and you can say offensive line too, but in, in the trenches, I think that's where the Eagles really stood out against the Falcons. It could have gone either way, but I think that was the difference maker, is that at the line of scrimmage, the Eagles were just a better team. Yeah, uh, the first thing I'm going to say about the game is that the ball didn't really bounce the Eagles way. They definitely played an is there, imperfect game. Is there game. a team that's had better luck on punts getting fumbles in the last like two weeks than the Falcons? I'm not sure. Two against that, the Rams and then one against the Eagles. I'm not sure how that punt hit three different Eagles, but it did. And first of all, you get the pass interference play on the first uh, play of the game for like a solid 50-yard uh, penalty. Mm-hmm. Next play, you give it to your, your horse, JHIA, and the game plan's rolling. Oh, wait, he drops the ball, puts Four? it on the ground. That's giving up at least three points right off the bat. Like, my argument yeah. is the yeah. Eagles dominated that game, but still it was a close game because of the... Uh, Four fumbles, right? 
I, oh, I don't. Yeah. They, I don't know if they lost all of them. But they, they lost definitely, two, they, but they fumbled the ball four Foles times. Foles fumbled the ball at the goal line when they originally ruled it a touchdown. Upon was, further review, it was, it was not. Wacky. And then there were some wacky exchanges with yeah. Legarrette Blunt, who put yeah. it on the floor. And uh, yeah, so so the ball didn't really bounce their way early, and and yet they they kind of kept chugging the drive right before halftime where there was kind of immaculate reception yeah, yeah. uh pass play that ended up in Tory Smith's hands and then that uh got Alshon Jeffrey involved the next play on an out route that put them in field goal range and kind of the momentum swung. They kinda of went they the Eagles yeah. went into the locker room feeling feeling really uh, good about themselves and then came out in the second half and closed the deal. How about the trend of college and pro if you can sneak a field goal in before halftime that usually bodes well for you. I mean it it, it it's true in this case too, especially uh, not getting the ball at after halftime. That yeah, that early points. fumble really uh, screwed up the rhythm of the game as far as possessions. I would I would say order. too. Yeah, the the balls didn't the ball didn't bounce your way early, but that play and then at the goal line getting that fumble back. I know it took a fourth down run in uh, by Blunt to get that touchdown, but it was kind of a wacky game. I think the story of the loss for the Falcons. Was just not being able to execute on offense. Even when they when they showed promise, when they were able to put together a couple of first downs, they couldn't finish. And that's been this team's story all year. Still finishing the season undefeated when they scored twenty points. They just couldn't get there this this weekend. Yeah, I think another intangible where uh, the game was won would be in the I mean on the sidelines of coaching. You, uh, yeah, I've been critical of Peterson. He coached a good game. Yeah, I mean, I mean he ten, did. Oh, even so, the on the other side, like the the game plan for Doug Peterson was was phenomenal. He he kind of broke out some new plays that nobody had ever seen on film before, and that's this time of year brings. It's the desperation, reach into that playbook and bring out that third down play you haven't used all year, where you you kind of take the toss and, and hand it off yeah. to, to Nelson Aguilar there. But I think on the other side of the ball, late in that game. Steve Sarkeesian made some some questionable decisions, and, and maybe Matt Ryan also is mm-hmm. at fault. It maybe the defense had something to do with that on the other side of the ball. Right. But I think the Jim Schwartz versus Steve Sarkeesian was clearly won by by Jim Schwartz. Right. I'll say this: a lot has been made about the fourth down play. I don't fully hate it because if they catch it, no one's talking about this. If Julio maybe doesn't stumble off the line of scrimmage, the play that I think deserves the credit that no one's talking about is that second down play. Where it was what, like a design shovel pass. It, it was there. That's when you take your chances at that point. And I think there's a lot to criticize Sarkeesian for. The offense looked dreadful. They had home losses to the Bills and Dolphins this year. But one play in fourth down. I mean, I know Julio only had one red zone uh, touchdown all season, but he probably could have caught it. And you know that play uh, was reminiscent maybe to another play we've seen a thousand times. Do you? You know what I'm leading at here? That the the what, score, what historic ball? No, catch, what what or? historic play does that remind you of? The, the sprint right, drifting back, finding someone in the back of the end zone. The Super Bowl the play catch. in the last ten years. Oh, you're talking about that play? Yeah, yeah the I'm catch. thinking. I was thinking that, negative that, that of may have inspired. I was thinking of San Antonio Holmes that Super Bowl catch. Fair but, enough, but they, yeah. well, we've seen it work before, so there is yeah. a precedent for that call. I just think. Earlier in the game, the other time that uh, Matt Ryan rolled out to his right, he had an open, I believe, Toilolo in the flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nigel Bradham closes really quickly, and Chris Collinsworth doesn't know why he doesn't throw the touchdown. So clearly he wasn't as confident out of the pocket as he could have been. You know, that, that play earlier didn't work. 
But yeah, you're right. If Julio doesn't slip, if he ends up catching the ball, if he catches the ball and lands <laughs> no it down, it seems talking. like a very impromptu. Yeah. Like you would figure like a crossing route or a mm-hmm. flat. There's tons of plays that you can run there. And yeah, you know what? The Eagles uh, lucked out, and and frankly, they've been making defensive plays to end games all season long. They have. I want to talk about Foles though, because 24 for 30, I believe, pretty accurate. The best game, top to finish, given the stakes that he's had all year. And we talked about Peterson coaching a good game. There was a quote that he had going into the playoffs where he said, Foles is my guy. Even after you guys get shut out by the Cowboys at home in the last game of the regular season after the Raiders game. This is why you don't bring in a quarterback late year. He's worked with Foles. He knows Foles. Foles has been in the film room with Carson Wentz helping him out. They were planning this game plan. He had a guy he trusted, and they executed it. I, I thought it was just a great report. It was all that work <laughs> coming to fruition at the biggest stakes of the year. Yeah, you can definitely see the Chip Kelly 2013 Nick Foles game plans in that where they sped up the tempo a little bit on occasion. They started implementing the RPOs once Nick Foles started getting a little more confidence in his game. And when they were trying to take away the run, in the second half, the RPO came in handy because it opened up options mm-hmm. in the passing game. So getting the ball into the skill players' hands of the Eagles was was definitely something that hadn't been done in the, the final couple of games for the Eagles, but they forced it in there with making the defense make the first move and, and kind of reacting to that. That line deserves more credit than they're getting, I think. Uh, because the Falcons, when they were rolling defensively all year, it was getting pressure on the quarterback, and that just didn't happen. You didn't hear Vic Beasley's name called a lot. You know, they weren't getting in Foles' grill that much, and I think that settled him down. He had a little happy feet early, but I think he settled down as that game progressed, and the drive to put up the final field goal. I know they didn't convert that last fourth down, but it was pretty flawless, moving the moving the ball down the field, wasting all that time off the clock with you the can, lead. You can see his comfortability with, with stepping up in the pocket, simple simple move like that. I mean, he's straight drop back. Offensive line gives him enough time. He steps up, lets the pre- – he looks more and more comfortable. And the, the problem with Nick Foles is – and Eagles fans with Nick Foles is we don't know – what type of Nick Foles we'll be getting week to week? Week to week, <laughs> yeah. it could be four touchdown Giants game Nick Foles. It could be seven touchdown Oakland Raiders game Nick Foles. It could be shut out in the first quarter against Dallas Nick Foles. So that's that's kind of the worry yeah. thus far. And and <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, the NFC Championship is going to be very difficult to handicap. Wow. but you're back in the title game. I mean, this is. Uh... Well, I just think back to last year's Vikings-Eagles <laughs> yeah. game where there were about eight turnovers total in the game and there were like three or four on the first couple of drives. It could very well Check happen. Check out highlights like in that game. It was 21-10 Eagles. I know. That, that was incredible the it, first couple there quarters. There could be a lot of turnovers in this game. Uh, Tom Weisebach, Money Mitch Effect, the team that the Eagles are playing in the NFC title game, the Minnesota Vikings. Now that, <laughs> that to me was as improbable of a game ending that I've ever seen with the Vikings scoring on the final play in regulation to win 29-24. to Diggs scores the touchdown. Keenum throws it to him, and he just walks right in. Missed tackle in the secondary. I haven't seen a breakdown, just a bad play in the secondary like that. Just have not seen anything worse. 
especially the magnitude, but just the common football sense wasn't there. I don't even know what that guy was thinking. No. If, I mean, you're, you just, he, he just lost his entire, launched his entire body into a space that he thought that Stefan Diggs would be in. When he found out that he was not in that space, there was nobody left. You're the last guy. you got to make the and tackle. Marcus the Williams is over. Marcus Williams is a good safety. He had a good year. He was one of the reasons why that secondary was revamped and they got to this position. But, and I don't know. I, the only logical thinking process to why he started the course of motion that he did was he didn't want to take a penalty. So he's backing off, make, waiting until Diggs has the ball. But at that point, yeah, just wrap up. Because mm-hmm. even even with a catch and a tackle inbounds, they're not getting that playoff. They're not getting all those linemen Even if out. he gets out of bounds, the, the game is likely yeah, it was over about the 40, I think. Yeah. They might have been able to try a really long field goal. But And and, and if Forbath hits a 60-yarder, <laughs> I don't think they're blaming him. I don't think everyone's saying, what a choke job, you know. They were running that montage at the end of the game of all I the know. missed field Buck, goals for Buck Minnesota. I apologize, too. I <laughs> saw that was pretty good. Uh, what a game, though, because the Vikings come ahead early, you know, 17-0 lead, and it had all the feelings of the Vikings get that lead, and then they just put the clamps on, which is what they've been doing all year. I give the Saints a ton of credit, because that offense woke up. Michael Thomas, his Twitter handles can't guard Mike. They couldn't guard him in the second half of that game. Kamara had the touchdown. Breeze was dropping dimes in there. But every time, once the Saints got that lead, it was just back and forth. The Vikings would answer. I was, I mean, as an impartial football fan, I know you were scouting a little bit to see who the Eagles were going to play. That was just a great football game. Yeah, we were talking about it. Uh, Eagles win on Saturday. We're awaiting the opponent result on Sunday. So a lot of people wanted the Vikings going into the game until about, you know, 17 nothing. That, 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 that was? interception, that ridiculous pick. Oh, Sandejo's yeah, pick? Sandejo's that was pick. insane. It's like, I don't want that. And so, I, yeah, I start begin texting my friends, and then the one guy goes, yeah. I, you know, I, I wanted the Saints the whole time type of thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> type yeah, of guy, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> so we wanted the Saints until about the second half, third quarter, turns into the fourth quarter when we go, oh, I think the Saints might be in this one. And then next thing you know, Sean Payton saying, boom, after they make the game-winning field goal. And you've seen the Saints win games like that constantly. I knew Breeze was going to give them a chance. Like, even on fourth down, their offense is designed to pick up 10 to 15 yards on crossing routes. And, yeah. And that red zone pick earlier in in the game for Breeze was very uncharacteristic. Mm -hmm. It was – they were driving, and I turned uh, to a friend and said, there's – this is going to be a close game. There's This is not going to be a runaway. And, when Cam Jordan and then got the interception play, yeah, came, and I'm like, yeah, wow, this might not yeah. be as close. You know, and yeah. so you start to have yeah. their doubts that they creep in. No, I thought i, I got to give Case Keenum a lot of credit, too, because it's not just the defense, and it's not just Keenum having to, you know, having, having a running game to lean on. Remember, Dalvin Cook, if he's playing in this game, this playoff run, things could be a little different. Keenum is asked to do a lot more than just be the quote-unquote game manager in this game. And I think he, he answered the bell well. Remember, if they get stopped on any of those last two possessions, game's over and the Saints went. He threw some really wow passes. He did. Uh, pinpoint accuracy, really floating it up there. Now, this was all in the friendly confines of whatever that stadium's called nowadays. I think it's US, is it U.S. Bank? I US think it's Bank, the U.S. Bank Stadium. Field Stadium. Indoor, yeah. Home well, of the Super Bowl. Can but, I also say Thielen is just amazing. Like, 
that's a top 10 receiver in the league. And this isn't a, I know we, we can see numbers, and if fans out there aren't get, watching the player every week, if they're just playing fantasy, you don't know how they're getting their, their numbers, if it's a scheme thing. Marcus Lattimore was guarding him, and Thielen was carving him up a little bit. And, uh, yeah, those two guys are comparable to any duo in the league. And Diggs, yeah, too, because Diggs, what, two years ago when he first came on the scene? I mean, he just hasn't been healthy. That's his big thing. When he, his per Remember when Cordero Patterson was the yeah, lead receiver on the Vikings and Adrian Peterson was the running back? And it's funny that those two teams were playing and, and neither had Adrian Peterson. We had, uh, we had two, Going into the year, you wouldn't have thought no, that. No, no. We had two quarterbacks after losses that are veteran elite quarterbacks, Roethlisberger and Breeze. Both immediately say they wanted to come back. And with what they've been surrounded by, I think it's pretty clear to see. The Saints lose this game, dramatic fashion, awful. It's as bad as a loss as you could take as a player or a fan. But why wouldn't Breeze want to come back to this mm-hmm. team? They have two running backs locked in the contract for at least one more year with Ingram. You have all these receivers, a defense that's better. Sean Payton's contract is... Is he... There was news I maybe read about him possibly leaving. Or I don't think he'll leave. Teams targeting yeah. him, or I would man. There's unfinished, unfinished business there, and you know how. Even though we're not in that quarterback situation now with the playoffs, he has a breadwinner in Breeze that looked very good this year. I don't think you want to abandon that. But the other side of this game was the ending was the gambling line of five point five, where they had to rush everybody out to kick an extra point or at least the extra point try, which. We were talking. They're never going to kick any. The rule is stupid. It's made for gambling, which is kind of stupid too, I believe, isn't it? But if you score so that with everybody's zero, everybody's on the up and up. There's yeah, no point shaving. If you score way. with zero, you're not going to risk an injury, or if unless you are going like, to tie or win the game. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like if you take the lead, but duh, you're going to kick the and even, and if it's two or less, like you're. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't try anything because you can run it back. Now. That comes to the entire <laughs> rule that I think is dumb. Of the uh, well, not that I think it's dumb, but how is a spike not a, an intentional grounding penalty? <laughs> no, it was, man. All right. oh, one last thing on this game, though. Zimmer did a great job with the uh, clock management. I know we rip a lot of coaches for clock management. Peyton had some bad timeouts, bad challenges. Oh, that, yeah, so that lost bad. him the game, I think. Uh, uh, I it mean, it's hard to say out. after. Yeah, it's it hard to – it did. But, but Zimmer taking a timeout late right before the, the Saints set up their field goal attempt was, was a low-key good move. But that's the NFC Championship. And for teams dealing with injuries, uh, Eagles, Vikings this year probably yeah. are two of the bigger teams that have faced it. Jaguars lose Allen Robinson week one. Uh, right. Maybe alluding to your next topic. But. Yeah, I don't think that either team – I know each team's going to be like, man, if we had a full boat before we get to the NFC title preview later in the show. But they're pretty – you know, both teams have overcome things. I don't think you can pinpoint, oh, well, it's because this Usually team is missing. Usually yeah. during the NFL season, yeah. you were prefacing everything with if yeah. you remain healthy, they can do X. Mm-hmm. But but neither of those two teams especially mm-hmm. remained healthy yeah. uh, by the Stars. And, and that's kind of the NFL mentality nowadays is using all 53 men on the roster and, and kind of doing manipulations to the team. And, and both sure have, have survived in advance. It's kind of the week-to-week business that the NFL has become. Oh, yeah, you could say that again. <laughs> it's definitely week to week. On the other side, AFC talk, Tom Weisbach, Money Mitch effect. I want to spend a little bit of time on this. The Patriots' dominance continues. It was the one blowout of the week. They throttled the Titans. But seven straight AFC title games for this team, 12 in the Brady-Belichick era. We can't really like make much of an argument that this is the greatest duo, I would say, in sports. 
coach and player. But, I mean, Brady is just running up the score at this point for historical greatness. I don't... <laughs> like, what do you... I mean, when are they going to get a challenger? It's nice to see three semi, I guess, newcomers to, mm-hmm. to the to the final four of the NFL. But, but until Brady and, and Belichick or both are not one of them retire or goes away from the Patriots, this is going to happen consistently. There's just yeah. no ifs, ands, or buts about it when you Brady. have a guy who understands the <laughs> offense it's just, yeah. that well and a guy whose who's generations of defensive prowess precede him. Five Super Bowl rings, five starts for all the other quarterbacks in the playoffs. Oh, about that? Yeah, <laughs> that's, wow. in, that's insane. Like, that was the one that blew me away. So, uh, But, no, I mean, this was a mismatch. Even after the Titans score, no one really thought they were going to win this game. And the Titans respond by firing our parting ways with Mike Malarkey. That was really strange. I mean, I'm not, it's, that, it's... Only one way would this make sense to me, which, by the way, do not advocate coaches getting fired, but that hit a little over over prediction I had on coaches firing, which is uh-huh. six and a half. If you, if you count midseason coaches, who started the year with a job that won't have a job? Seven. Seven new coaches this year. But they're just going to all rotate. Not Hugh Jackson. Unbelievably, Hugh Jackson is not one of them. Or Or Marvin Marvin Lewis. Lewis. (laughs) Yeah. So those guys are still still employed, but we got rid of almost a quarter of the week. The only way that that malarkey firing, if we want to call it that, makes sense is if he, because he said no offensive changes, and they're like, you got to do something. Because the offense, Terry Rubisky is not the answer to O coordinator. And if the ownership was like, we got to just do something, and he remained defiant, then I could see maybe not. You know, you got to work with your bosses, and you got to you know come to a middle ground. But yeah, I know I know Titan fans were not happy with him, and they were going to fire him if he didn't beat the Chiefs. So, not the most surprising thing he's not coming back. Yeah, I don't disagree. The uh, loss of Demarco Murray kind of handcuffed them here, but they were monstrous underdogs anyway. I still think the Patriots are still showing signs of decline now. <laughs> Yeah. That said, they can still easily win two games to go to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at home. Whether or not declining, and you mentioned this before we started recording, is at the running back position. Oh, they just keep cycling in guy after guy. If you could name the last, like, ten yeah. Patriots Super Bowl winning running backs. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like who's been different on Different feature team. guy each yeah. Super Bowl that they've well, won. They, might, they don't even really have feature guys in a lot of these games. Like, James White was the MVP. He was... Inactive most of last year. Not the MVP, but was their best running back that game last year. But Deion Lewis has absolutely destroyed the second half of this season. If he's healthy, he's a top 10 runner in the league for sure. What he's doing, perfect fit for that system. It's uh, it's pretty scary. And then Gronk is just unguardable by most teams. And it's usually, <laughs> it's like just... you said, that the uh, usually the guy who you think is the running back for the Patriots going into the year does not end that feature guy like Rex Burkhead was getting so much love as yeah. the next well he he was hurt I mean he is I think going to play this week but sometimes it's we have so much depth we can overcome injuries that's why we acquire depth Gillisley tears up week one then is inactive for a few weeks but the other side of it I think Still is strategy I think it's strategy too I think it's like okay we're going to play the Jags or you know, the Eagles or the Vikings they don't know who our guy's going to be. Oh, they've been spending all week trying to shut down Deion Lewis. Now we're going to drop in James White. Like I don't, or Gillespie makes a return from the dead. You know, Jonas Gray scored four touchdowns that one year. Never heard from again. Late to a meeting the next week. Uh, don't do that. Uh, but no, it's it's unprecedented. I mean, they're the one team that we expected to be here, uh, but the team that we didn't expect to be here was the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Yeah, unfortunately, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, lost a lot of their heart when they got rid of James Harrison. I mean, don't say unfortunately to me. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know, I know, unfortunately I know. for them, yeah. anyway, yeah. And, and fortunately for the Patriots, yeah. they got a little bit of that Steelers soul on their sidelines now. And the Steelers were probably really looking forward to a rematch. You know, they had that tough thing. Now, clearly, it's not the reason they lost of, right. of them not being prepared because they, they're professionals and they're not going to be looking yeah. forward. But heck of a game. What a shootout there. Unbelievable. Well, there's truth to what you said. Like, you always get that we're looking ahead. This has been a rivalry. They played in the game last year. Jags beat them twice at home now. So it is, this isn't a, oh, what an upset. Like, twice this year in Pittsburgh, they won that game. Question for you is, what is Gus Bradley thinking now? Well, it's all his guys that it he is. brings in Doug most Mar- of the time. Doug Marone is a good coach. I'll I'll be on that side of the argument. When he was, and the Coughlin effect. Yeah, and the Coughlin effect too. When he was in Buffalo, they had like a nine and seven team, eight and eight or so before he before he moved on. Um, Coughlin effect. I think. I don't think. I think it's just discipline and an organizational like mantra. I don't think he's doing much of the X's and O's or even the personnel stuff. But it's this is how a professional franchise acts and behaves and thinks. As you. Oh yeah, it's a mindset that that you have to build your program around. And and remember Tom Coughlin's infamous battles with Michael Strahan. That's that's kind of as soon as they saw eye to eye. Coughlin time. You got to be fifteen minutes early. Is on time. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, it was a, the strategy is perfect for this team because Bortles, I don't hate him. Like I think he's a solid quarterback at this point when he runs their system and does his plays to his strengths and not to his limitations. But they're predicated on turnovers and takeaways, another top four defense in the league. Um, but I also think it's okay. We're gonna get a turnover, get the lead. We're gonna pound Fournette because he's a beast and our line's good and no one can stop him. And we're going to get a lead and force you to try to take unnecessary chances on this defense that still is a phenomenal top-to-bottom front seven secondary, maybe the most complete defense across the board in the league. Ben Roethlisberger had to throw. I know they gave up 42 points, but I think that's a little misleading because they're playing catch-up. It turned into a shootout. And some of those throws were unbelievable. <laughs> like I, even Rodgers and Brady, I don't know, make some of the throws Ben did to Brown and, and on great coverage to, to get them back in this game. Yeah, Jacksonville's game plan is is get the ball, protect the ball. So I think Bortles is taking a lot less chances with the ball than he was in the past, especially late yeah. in games. can run, too. I mean, that's where, like, and, and <laughs> where that's, did that come from? When when it's kind of he's replacing his ill-advised throws with, uh, with first down scampers. And, and that's just that's kind of the X factor in all of this is making sure your quarterback for three out of the four teams in the finals does not lose you the game and let your defense get the ball for you and, and go. Now, I admittedly didn't really watch much of this uh, yeah. Steelers Jags game. I just had the text messages to report <laughs> that it was an exciting <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. affair. Um, but I did see a lot of the highlights and those throws that you're talking about, like the Stein, the Martavis Bryant in the oh. back of the end zone. Um, Insane is the one that comes to mind off off the top of the head. And then Antonio Brown makes that it too, it special had like catch in the, yeah, the left Where he side just literally dropped down. Like, it looked like a jugs machine drill where he didn't even see the ball and he just stuck his hands down and fingertipped it. That's a special player, man. That's like a Hall of Fame level talent. But Pittsburgh, again, poorly coached, pork play calling, 
Tomlin and Haley are just not a good duo. I, I don't. They're going to have to break that up. And and I've been saying for years. I mean, Tomlin has a losing record in the playoffs in the last like seven years. Like since that first couple year run, which some would argue maybe a lot of Bill Cowher's players and. I just don't think he's in, he's a great motivator. I get that. I get they want to play for him as a player's coach, but the clock management, an onside kick with oh, before the two minute warning, <laughs> I don't, with your timeouts, like which what? gave them three points essentially that that bury you. Todd Haley called a sweep, a design sweep with Le'Veon Bell to the short side of the field on fourth and one, <laughs> and the other fourth and one play was a play action fake to the tight end. Like I don't, oh. I'm sorry, man. I just don't see it with with that strategy. You have. You have, and I hate the Steelers, and I hate the Steelers, but the most fun offense in the NFL. The most versatile, fun. We have all these playmakers. We have a Hall of Fame receiver. We have one of the best running backs, a quarterback that's amazing. And you're going to just sabotage your Steelers. That's why I get why Steelers fans are frustrated. I don't think it's an entitlement like we should be in this game. We should beat Jacksonville. I think it's uh, we just shot ourselves in the foot too much, and it cost us a chance at the AFC title, maybe the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm not sure how to really handicap this. Like, the Steelers, to me, are an anomaly. It's so odd to have so many problems outside of the field to play and have those problems carry on to the field. I mean, clearly it's <laughs> well, the defense happened weak, so many yeah. times throughout the years. And you get rid of James Harrison. I've, I've clearly made that point. But, yeah. but you have two, arguably two of the best three athletes in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, and and you can't get past you know a, a really good Jaguars team. Granted, but at home, that was a just, team you've historically handled pretty well. I don't understand how it doesn't work. Their defense was not good down the stretch. I know obviously the Shazier loss played into that, but sure. you, had, you had Mike Mitchell just talking trash and <laughs> telling people that apparently the story was he was outside the Jags locker room saying you're gonna you're gonna know who I am after this game. It's like okay. <laughs> just play the game, yeah, yeah. dude. Like, a lot of the stuff. There was a time when <laughs> Fletcher Cox gets a sack last week, right? Yeah, he starts dancing. I saw that. I was wondering, and I'm like, it's what... a hurry up offense scenario. <laughs> Get back on the play. You're gonna tire yourself out with it's, a little dance. I know. It's when you have to be back on the play for like two or three more plays before. Well, my biggest, my biggest pet peeve in, in football is the sack dance down, like down basically. But the but the more you're down is the more ridiculous it is. It's like okay, you gave up forty points and you're you're dancing. But Calais Campbell, speaking of playing the game, my vote for defensive player of the year. Um, Did you hear his prediction? By the way, he predicted the score to the game. But this is a guy that he found a scheme that fit him. People forgetting how much flack he took from around the league for picking the Jags over the Broncos, over going back to Arizona. Looks like a genius now. <laughs> yeah, they were slowly recruiting defensive players over the last two or three seasons while strategically drafting very good defensive players. Now, uh, Jalen Ramsey may be the, the best cornerback in the league. He's up there. Along with some of these youngsters. Like, yeah, in, uh, and Bouye that they picked up from. You the got Xavier Rhodes that, that comes to mind. Yeah. You got Jalen Ramsey. Peters is, I think, up there, too. He's kind of a head Of course. Case, but, Marcus yeah. Peters and then Peterson. Ronald Darby we can yeah. ca- call. Yeah. I mean, we. I'm not, as an Eagles fan, I'm not sure really <laughs> what he is now since we've only seen him for a few games, meaningful games. You know who's played well for on the corner talk, still active and playing, is um, Gilmore for the Patriots. He took a lot of flack early when they were struggling. I think... I don't think he gave up a. I think he gave up maybe one catch all game against the Titans. Like, and he's been, 
He's been on that level too. But yeah, Jacksonville built it with defense, and they have an offense that works. Fournette and Yeldon has a change of pace back. It's, is Fournette the the guy that made them relevant now? Like, is he just the guy? Who... I'm, I'm a big believer of the sum of the parts, and maybe he was the guy that completed what their completed what their offense was. T.J. Yeldon was supposed to be when they brought him in. And, and honestly, like I like Delvin Cook more coming out of the draft. I, I mean, Kamara's been amazing, but as good as both those guys are, maybe maybe Fournette fits what Jacksonville wants to do better than those guys would. Power running. We're going to give it to the big boy He's up front. Certainly so. used to getting the ball a lot yeah. from LSU. Incredible. Well, Tom Weisenbach, Money Mitch Effect, I guess we should talk about these games a little bit and uh, the championship game this weekend. The AFC title game being the first game, which I'm kind of pumped about that because... As some of our listeners know, working Australia hours means it's kind of a rough call in the morning to get up and watch some football, so I usually am a little late to the first game. I'm kind of glad it's Jags, uh, Pats, and not Eagles, Vikings. Last last year, I wake up, and you know the Falcons are up like 21 to nothing already on the Packers. I'm like, geez, but that segue meaning that if New England gets a lead, this game is going to be over. Like If they get up two scores, I'm, I'm writing it off. Like, does a Jacksonville offense come back against any team, let alone that team, if they're down early? I can't see it. I I also don't see it. That it's it's so tough to predict the NFL nowadays, man. But you're right. Jacksonville's defense is going to have to do what Tennessee did early and then keep it up for three more quarters. This is a tough task. Is there I mean, any point in this game where you're going to think the Jags are going to win this game until I'm going to hope. Or inside, you're you're going to hope, but like. Is there any point you're going to think that they're going to win this game until the final gun goes off? Like, for me, no. I think... Even if the Patriots are down, like, I'm still going to be like, okay, it's the Pats and... I'll believe on the Tom Brady's third interception. Okay. Three (laughs) picks. If he throws three picks, that might be certain stats, because I don't even know a score anymore. The Jags win 10-3 and 45-42 and their two playoff wins. Um, I just, I don't know. How they're going to move the ball. They would have to hit Tom Brady and create on defense, score some points on defense, really limit Gronk, frustrate him, have him take a few careless penalties. It's good. You're not going, you're not going to beat them with scheme. You're, I mean, you would, let me rephrase. You're not going to beat them with the, the, the penalties or, or, they're not going to culture. Culture is yeah. not going to beat them because no. they have the Patriot way and whatnot. And I'll call this is this this is Coughlin's team versus Patriots team again. That's the narrative, right? Ah. That's, that's what we're going to sell for how the Jags can win. I I don't know. Time I really possession. don't. I'm time, time of possession. I'm struggling. To, yes, time of possession and and Giants uh, win some turnovers. Giants undefeated season. Spoiler of the Patriots that Super Bowl legendary game. It was David just the Tyre. Giants in the first half. An ugly first half of just running the ball and making it an ugly game, and that's how I think it's going to happen. But Bortles is going to have to play lights out. Last week, Bortles, I think it was Keenum and Foles. I think all. I, I don't think. I don't think. Or it was Bortles, Keenum, and or Bortles, Foles, and Mariota. No picks. Picks are going to. I mean, <laughs> we'll get to the other game too. But picks could be the end of a season, and they probably will be for somebody. <laughs> and we're playing in two cold weather cities this this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if interceptions fall play, but fumbles happen. Side note, real quick. <laughs> Go ahead. If JJ is playing on the Patriots and he fumbles his first carry, does he ever see another snap? 
<sighs> if Legarrette Blunt's on the bench and Corey Clement's on the bench and Kenyon Barner's on the bench. Not for a while. <laughs> he probably comes back in the third quarter if it fits the scheme. That was just a question I yeah, had during the I'm game. I'm thinking about it, too. Um, but I got Pats. But then Blunt fumbled immediately as well. Yeah, I got Pats went in, I'll say, 27-10. So I'm going to go with. <laughs> so Sorry. Right. I'm going to throw out an upset special then just to be okay. fun. Contrarian. And All we'll right. go 31-24 uh, Jaguars. Pat's D has been low-key carrying them at times in the last weeks of the season. He's got a hot Bortles. He's going to run for one. <laughs> a hot Bortles. Hot Bortles is going to run for one. Fournette's going to run for two. And the defense scores at least one. Hey, one of these quarterbacks has never lost a playoff game. So, Oh, Blake and the Bortles other one's named Tom Brady. Yeah, so Blake Bortles. If these two quarterbacks have combined for five Super Bowl MVPs, should be a great game. All right. <laughs> the other... The, uh, the other game Vikings and Eagles is going to be smash mouth I, I don't think there's any way around it. it it's I haven't even checked the the I've checked the line on this game Vikings by three but the over under I've got to imagine it's pretty pretty well for this type of game as an Eagles fan how would you like the offense to approach this game that's my question to you because I'm very fascinated by this I think you obviously would have rather are glad that it's the Viking offense, not the Saints offense coming into the link this weekend, but defensively, probably not the ideal matchup of the two. How would you approach this uh, deadly Vikings defense? Um, I saw some, some articles written, and, and the Eagles offense really benefited last week from uh, yards after contact. The Vikings don't give up yards after contact. They're very good tacklers. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a lot. That's one of the main things that I'm looking at right here. And the other thing being Nick Foles has to take care of the football. They have to be good in the run game, continue to mix up that scheme, and the play calling needs to be fresh and and really keep them on their toes and widen them out. It's the same formula that they have against the, the Falcons. There's very similar... Right. There's very similar attributes on both sides. You have the the offensive side of the ball is very similar to that of the Falcons with the one-two punch of the wide receivers, the one-two punch of the running backs, and tight end too. Rudolph is a good tight end too, stealth. so they'll, they'll make you guard all the field. Absolutely. And so the formula for the Eagles to win and the same formula for the Vikings to win is to control the clock and control the ball. I would say in addition to that, maybe going against the theory of how to approach a great defense, I would not get too conservative. Because you mentioned how good of a tackling team is. If going underneath, going underneath, taking short pass plays and, and, and trying to run the ball maybe a little too much could lead to a lot of third and seven, pick up four, fourth down. I've got an over-under of 38 and a half, by the way. <laughs> well, I think you know where I lean and what I'm going to do there. But um, I think they got to take some chances. Maybe not like 40-yard downfield bomb type plays, but they've got to make the defense respect the fact that Foles can, can throw 20 yards downfield and, and I must open say it up. The first play of the Eagles-Falcons game, I knew was going to be a play-action pass bomb yeah. to Torrey Smith just yeah. because that's a staple of an Andy Reid mindset, right. and that's a protege. Did you do thing. that this game? Uh, see, now, <laughs> this game, and you know it worked out because it was a pass interference call. Good underthrown ball, wobbly pass, testing the wind early. Uh-huh. I like the aggressiveness. I don't think that happens in this game. However, I think it's possible the defense takes the field first for the Eagles. So 
Lots to talk about. I'm very excited about the game. I just am very aware that these teams are so evenly matched and they have very similar skill sets at both ends of the ball and, and similar guys leading the charge. They do. It's it's hard to pinpoint what where each team has a sizable advantage. Like it, that's why I, I, I mean, I give you guys a slight edge, and this is no disrespect to either team in the trenches, but the Vikings got some big boys too there. So I, I don't. That's the other yeah. key is, and you mentioned it here, Mitch, is, is pressure, pressure yeah. on the quarterback, and and really making them uncomfortable. And and whoever I think turns the ball over will lose. Whoever wins the turnover battle will win. Uh, defense is going to be the name of the game. Uh, fa- the home field advantage really is going to be a big factor in this game. I think uh, the Vikings have played mostly dome games this season. One of their outside wins was against a Green Bay Packers without Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> is any is the first team that scores wins? Who knows? I'm I'm really str- <laughs> I I how about this? Let's go. I've been overexcited about NFC Championship games in the past and disappointed, so I'm still kind of prepping my brain for an Eagles loss. You've been here before. And I did that by halftime of last last week. I had convinced myself that the Eagles had lost the game, and therefore I would not have been as devastated. Now, this is just the psychotic Eagles fan who's who's Mm -hmm. used to defeats and and is going to give his brain a, a break, but... I still have conf- you know, cautious optimism that it's a game-to-game business. It's a play-to-play business. It's a quarter-to-quarter business. And as long as so, the Eagles protect the ball, they can win the game. So I don't think I'm going out on a limb and what I think you're going to pick. but I don't know what I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick like 17. No. It'll be like 20 to 17. You got 2017. Eagles. Eagles. Okay. Is this... Confidence-wise, I'll ask it this way because obviously it's your team, and I, I have no I, idea. <laughs> I honestly, have no idea what's going to happen. Percent, I would say, right? Like, yeah. I I hate to do it, but I'm going to go Vikings in this one. I don't blame you either. Their offense I'll is good as long as they can perform outdoors. Seventeen, you got a good shot. Is what I'm going to say. Okay, that's fair. It might be <laughs> so that extra touchdown. It might is be a, sixteen, thirteen. Actually, it might be. An extra field goal in there. Kicking is going to play a factor too, and special teams. So how about Jake Elliott's able to make a fifty-three <laughs> yard field goal, but not an extra point? It's pretty, yeah. The entire I mean, year, all over, the, all over the uh, the map this year. Quickly, uh, as we wrap this up, offensive difference maker on the Eagles. Who do you think it's going to be in your proposed outcome of them winning? I got to have one, and it's yeah. going to be Nelson Aguilar. Okay, getting him the ball in an area where he can. Make some plays, make some someone miss. Now I'm gonna just give you a B option. It's JHI. It's pretty obvious okay. that it's JHI. He has to to get yards after contact and create. The Vikings to win. Thielen is an obvious choice. I'll say Jarek McKinnon though. I think if I, I, think I like that's, Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. I think Malcolm Jenkins is gonna be on him in the nickel. Uh, and Malcolm Jenkins has played his tail off yeah. the last last week especially. He was clearly the catalyst on defense. He was. Should be fun. He's fired up. Too. He's the Let's emotional go. leader. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's gonna be a fun. It's gonna be a fun one, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, Tom, I know we both are. Um, should be exciting. And uh, do you think? It, it, one last question: win or lose, or any 
members of either team going to go to a secret passageway and try to confront the others in a locker room? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. No. <laughs> Although Sam Bradford does know, he does know the building, the locker room. Pat Shermer knows the run? building. We did not talk about storylines like Michael Kendricks and there's the Kendrick so many brothers. Return games, yeah. There's so many brothers. There's a, there's a lot of storylines in the NFC Championship game, um, not least of which being Sam Bradford and Carson Wentz' obvious beef. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, the uh, the uh, Jeff Fisher Bowl as well. Of course, yes. That's the other thing them. is the Jeff Fisher, the the previous Rams quarterback. Yeah, backup quarterbacks, and uh, each got their chances, and it didn't work out. Yeah, it's uh, it's not. They need someone running interference because the NBA. I mean, that league is just funny. Like that is. Well, all of a sudden, it's like <laughs> the dog days just... of of. It's almost like the dog days of baseball, where it's August and everybody has to fight. This is weird that what it's is... January, and I've seen like five fights in the past <laughs> the police, two weeks. The police were called. That's that's hilarious too. They well, Ben Capella. Kyle Lowry goes after Ben Simmons in the hallway after. After the other night's game or last night's game. Yeah. Philly guy, Kyle Lowry. <laughs> Philly guy who loves the Eagles. Yeah. Um, I don't as my or as my dad put it when we were talking about this story, the the Chris Paul. Sure. I mean, yeah, as, as the fact that everybody wants to fight Austin Rivers, but my dad was like, not since Kurt, Kermit Washington punched Rudy Tomjanovich has there been an actual fight. A swallow tonight. Do you see this? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, an actual, he barely he didn't connect. No one's that was yeah, a there's punch. never been an, a legit fight. It's just like <laughs> there was a headline that called it a haymaker. I go, that was, you know, that was a hay wisher. I man, I, <laughs> everybody wants to fight Austin Rivers, but um, I do one last thing before we before we go sign off here. I'd be remiss if I didn't switch to another sport. I was a little upset, and I am no Anaheim Ducks fan, but Cagliano, their defenseman. He's getting his Ironman streak snapped because of a suspension on a questionable hit call. 880 straight games. And he's going to have that streak snapped because of a suspension. I don't think that should count against him. I, if, yeah, if you're I not allowed to play, way, right? it's not like Cal Ripken Jr. <laughs> decided to like yeah. punch somebody in and it's like that's not his really his streak. Like yeah. he, That streak carried on because he got... He, wasn't given any off days, right? Like, yeah, exactly. It was, it was no. I mean, how does that work idea. though? If a game gets rained out, like that doesn't end the streak, you know? Like, right. I I I wouldn't count it. I mean, you yeah. got suspended. You're still going to count the streak as when you're able to play. Now, mm-hmm. granted, it's games you're missing because of a thing you did, but league mandated streak ending. <laughs> yeah, that's know. pretty much how it should say. But all right, Tom, we're excited for football. Thanks for coming on. See what happens for your Eagles. Could be. Thanks, Mitch. Could be uh, going back to their city, going back to Minnesota, and, and checking that out as well. I sure hope so. I just don't want to see the Vikings host a Super Bowl. That just doesn't seem right. Oh, in oh in general, like in general, yeah. Okay. I don't I don't want to see a home team in their Super Bowl unless it's the Eagles. Okay, that'd be <laughs> a fun Super Bowl outdoor. But it yeah. would be so corporatized yeah. anyway yeah. that the tickets are going to be you know uh, ideal. Uh, we we're out, talking yeah. about how. Yeah, you wouldn't have to pay for a hotel or anything, but you're you're able to right. go to the game and, and chalk that money up and throw it right into a ticket. Mm. All right, thanks for coming up. We'll see what happens, but good luck to you this weekend. Oh, baby. That's it for today's episode. Big thanks to Tom Weisenbach again for coming on. 
the episode. Thank you to Brian Nelson for supplying the logo, Tim Adams for supplying the beats, and thanks to everybody out there for listening as we continue to grow this podcast. There'll be some interviews and some segments next week that you're not going to want to miss. We have a big week planned for you. We're going to go back to the Australian Open, talk about that, recap football, maybe talk more about some winter sports. Haven't talked college basketball in a while, NBA, NHL. We'll get into all of that and more on the Money Mitch Effect, which can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. I'm Mitch Michaels. Follow me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the football, people. Enjoy sports. And I'll see you next time.